startups that are bootstrapped, they're really businesses already. The problem is when you do that, you're most likely going to hire awesome people who are going to do awesome things. To me, that's that's maybe there's a way to just kind of start over a little bit. Hey, listener, this is Adam Beta. My name is Peter Soom, and my co-host is Matt Wensing. Matt is the founder of Summit, and I'm the founder of Reform. And on this podcast, you get to follow along on our startup journeys. Don't forget to check out our website on adabeta.fm to find our entire back catalog and other resources, including our Start Here page for new listeners. Let's go. Hey, Matt. Hey, Peter Soom. We made it. We did. Finally. We made this happen. <laughs> yeah like rescheduling for two weeks yeah sorry about that i think yesterday yesterday was definitely on me but uh we're gonna get this one out this week yep and i just looked the last one we put out with the two of us was on april 12th okay uh, which is like more than three weeks ago i mean in startup land that's like a year so we have yeah plenty to talk about I mean, I do have a lot of notes actually about stuff that's happened. So, uh, yeah, it's good that we that we made it. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, getting another podcast out of my system. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. And uh, we have a new sponsor this week, month, and week, and uh, it's a it's a cool product. It's Whimsical, and. Uh, it's a really cool tool that you can use for documents, flowcharts, wireframes, mind maps, and projects. It's one of their new features. And uh, we're big fans of Whimsical and uh, are excited that they're sponsoring us this month. And you should check them out. And it's free to get started. Uh, there's no credit card required. Uh, so you can just create a, an account and uh, start creating in Whimsical. And we're trying uh, sort of a new format this month as well with whimsical so um yeah i guess uh, listeners will find out later in the episode and then uh, i won't say more now but uh, yeah thanks Perfect. to whimsical Thank oh you. i forgot to say the url there's a special out of beta url that you should use when you sign up so you should go to whimsical.com slash out of beta one word because then they know that you came because you listened to out of beta which is nice so, uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of different reasons why we haven't recorded uh, until now. Um, I had a, the week from hell <laughs> last week. Well, it started it started uh, pretty good. Um, so my, my son is starting daycare, and it's been going on for a few weeks. And um, it's really, really intense. Like, there's just so... For him and for us and everyone involved, there's just so many, like, feelings involved. It just, it's just a roller coaster, basically. And, you know, obviously there are days where you would prefer to stay home and watch uh, cartoons on the TV. <laughs> well, yeah, but, that was uh, always the goal as a kid. How, what do I need to do to be able to do that? <laughs> and it's like, you know, dude, I don't, I don't blame you. And I understand and I, I, I am, emphasize, am, empathize, but... Yeah. You actually do have to go to daycare today because uh, <laughs> mommy and dad has to work. That's the plan. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And then I got really sick. I was in bed for two days. That was stressful. Yeah. yeah. But then, uh, and then my son got sick again when I was done. And we actually had to go back to the hospital where we were just a month ago and sleep there. And um, yeah, just a lot of stuff happening all in one week. 
Yeah. And then. Uh, and and then. a startup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, so basically, Friday, I'd been sick for three days. I'd been in, been in bed for two days. I was feeling a little bit better. I was supposed to be a guest on a podcast. I had canceled that because I was just so tired. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I was stressing out about being a guest on someone else's podcast. And then I canceled it and decided mm-hmm. that I was just going to continue staying in bed. And it felt really good, <laughs> like finally just giving in to that. Yeah. And then a few hours earlier, someone had said and sent me a support ticket about not getting an email mm-hmm. uh, for a form submission. And that can happen a lot, like with if if it ends in spam or maybe you didn't enable email. So like, that's not a red flag to me that someone didn't get an email. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I knew that overall emails were working because I like since, you know, I was getting emails. So I knew that emails were being sent. And then just as I had canceled the podcast and was kind of like hanging out in bed, I got another support ticket about a very similar thing. Mm. And then it's like alarm bells because when it's happening yeah. to two different people yeah. at the same time, that might be something. So yeah, I went to one of our own forms, filled it out, did not get an email. And I was like, hmm. Mm. First thing to Sinking check is Sentry. Yep. I go into Sentry and there is 6,000 failed uh, job errors in Sentry. Which means that it's probably been going on for longer <laughs> than I wanted to have been going on. Um, and it had. So basically, it had been going on for two days. Mm-hmm. And then... Yikes. I, <laughs> so probably most people will be thinking right now, so how, how did you not realize that you had that many errors in Sentry? And the thing was, it was the same error that we had um, a while back when we had a lot of problems with Redis. But back then, it, Redis would just stop working for a while and then nothing worked. So then we just built like a ton of stuff around that that would just kind of like try to ignore all those errors and just retry until it worked. And then mm-hmm. if it didn't work, it would just give up. But then kind of like our working assumption at the time was that if it didn't work after retrying five times, for example, it wouldn't mm-hmm. just be like Redis being spotty, like it would be Redis not being online or something like that. And then we would just be able to like, like then we would know very quickly <laughs> and then we would be able to just go in and like kind of replay everything that happened during that time. Cause the way we've architected things, we always get the submission and then yeah, that's good. all the stuff that happens after getting the submission, like sending emails, notifying Slack, like analytics, all that stuff happens asynchronously. Mm-hmm. And then, so, so then we like, we kind of had the mindset then if it goes down for like an hour, we can just kind of replay all the submissions that happened in that hour. Yep. But then what was I was realizing now is like, this has been going on for two days, but it's not happened all the time. And then when I kind of did the math, it only happened like 20% of the time. And that was enough that like every time we had to do something, we were lucky enough that like our emails would go through and stuff like that. But to a lot of... Like that's still like a lot of people for two days that didn't get an email about like a form submission or a yes. Slack notification. And so, it, and also like it was very difficult for us to see when it happened or when it didn't happen. 
Mm-hmm. So it was like an all hands on deck situation. And um, so Bjorn started like debugging. Well, we fairly quickly figured out that it had happened like this second that Bjorn had deployed something two days ago and we hadn't deployed anything for two days. Mm. And what, so our like guess is that when DigitalOcean deployed it, like the different components of the app was like not wired in in the correct way. So it just, it could, because like we didn't change any code related to this. It was more like, you know, like 20% of the time, like it just wouldn't connect to Redis. So we we triggered a new deploy and then it just st- like the error stopped happening at all. So it's like it's been going on for two days and it started when we deployed the last time and it stopped when we deployed now. So it's like, okay, I think we've figured out kind of what's where it's happening. So right. uh, Bjorn started like figuring out a solution and like what are we going to do with the failed jobs? And I started writing an email to our customers <laughs> um, uh, from like... Oh, man while being like super sick and feeling really poor. Uh, yep. Yeah. I mean, and then this is uh, the rest good. is like public, I guess, on Twitter. I shared the email. <laughs> I've yeah. never had that much engage- engagement on an email. Like mm. I, I think 11 people or something like that replied like with good stuff, like support basically. That's good. And uh, like saying they like the email, saying we're doing a good job, saying how they like the product. Even like someone who hadn't logged in for a while, logged in, realized we released Teams, upgraded their account, (laughs) send a bunch of emails (laughs) about like how nice the app had become. (laughs) You're like, uh, am I, am I really sick? Am I delirious? Like what's going on here? (laughs) Yeah. No, there's a problem, sir. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, you don't understand. Stop upgrading. It's looking so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, No, no. Make me feel bad. I'll Uh, refund you. (laughs) Help me wallow. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. No news. So, is, um, the, the, any news is good news, taken a little too literally for it to make sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, basically, we felt good that it wasn't happen uh, happening anymore. It started happening slowly again. Like it just over the weekend, it it happened. Like errors came in here and there, but we had a really good um, like we were keeping track of everything, and every time a job failed, we would just manually retry it. And mm-hmm. so that would happen like three times in a day or something like that. Uh, and we would manually fi- fix it. But yep. obviously this week we had to find like a more permanent solution. And we right. did today. So we we good. moved all our queue to our good old SQL database. <laughs> and Laryl has a driver for that. Uh, Bjorn did a ton of work to like make sure we understood how everything worked, did a lot of mm-hmm. testing. Mm. And and we kind of spun up the database queue and then we just, you know, poked poked around a bit and like fired some test jobs. And then earlier today we hopped on Tuple and we 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 kind of changed the environment variable that will make the main queue um the database queue. And then Redis just stopped processing jobs. <laughs> and we haven't had we've had one error since and that was redis <laughs> because the old redis worker is still looking for jobs even though there are no jobs because we were like if we have to roll back um it's better not to have to like reconfigure all this so we'll just keep it around for a month or so 
Yeah. And uh, I, it's still having connection issues, which is kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I hear a flat line sound in the back of my mind as you look at the Redis zero and it's just no activity. Yeah. And then just every once in a while, there's a little bit of a twitch. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, yeah. stop. Just stop. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have a, like a burial or like a ceremony. ceremony. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, forget Get rid that. of it. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, I guess that was a little uh, anecdote to kind of like explain oh, adventure on my adventure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, compared to a day job where you would have just watched Netflix and told them you weren't going to make it in again on Monday, you know, a little bit different. Yeah, this about... totally sucked compared to that. <laughs> compared to suck. I'm not gonna lie. What? <laughs> not gonna sugarcoat and I, it. That then I told Bjorn, cool. at, least, at least we're making a ton of money, huh? <laughs> uh, twist the knife in your in yourself, why don't you? <laughs> yeah, well played. But you know, getting that kind of rolled out felt really good. And um, yeah. if we want to move away from DigitalOcean, which we ha- have strong, <laughs> we have a strong motivation. Um, this episode now we is have less stuff not to brought move. to you by DigitalOcean. <laughs> yeah, we just have an app and a database and a, a job worker. So that's kind of like, that's easier than having Redis and Redis workers and all this stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think we're in a better place for what it's worth. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Should I it, just continue with my update? Or did you have some bad stuff happening to you that you want to share mm, while we're yeah? A, could I sprinkle in a disaster? Um, sorry, man, I, I just don't. So you just got to go forward alone this week. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all good over yeah. here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next bad bad thing that happened <laughs> is that we absolutely <laughs> killed uh, new trials with our free plan. I think. <laughs> Rob Walling famously say, says that um, freemium is like a samurai sword. Mm, it's really effective if you know how to use it, but you could also, you probably cut off your arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you get a samurai sword, you come home from the knife show or the Renaissance fair, you're sw- swirling it around in the air because you think yeah. you're so cool. And the next thing you know, <laughs> if you're good, you're going to cut someone else's arm. <laughs> But you're it's bad. You, you might also just cut off your own. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's that. Like we, um, <laughs> I, I, I was looking at our kind of like our funnel metrics and mm-hmm. and kind of like trying to track that. And I think the most comparable month we have for mm-hmm. April in terms of the top of the funnel is is December. We had almost mm-hmm. the same um, traffic to the website and try. Uh, free signups mm-hmm. and then well also february but in february most of the the signups we got were kind of like from a lot of stuff that happened in january that was kind of effective so it's a little polluted i think december was kind of like the best comparison and so the the when you look at kind of like visits or signups to trials it's basically probably around half i think we probably took like a 50 to 60 percent drop in in uh, new trials Wow. I think, you know, it's a lot. It's still small numbers, so it's like not like statistically uh, whatever. Um, it's not a super reliable 
uh, running the math on such small numbers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it kind of makes sense. And I, and I think, yeah, yeah. And but also like, I think we, we really have to look more at like the cohorts here because we just don't know what the funnel looks like. So that's one part of it. Like we might learn that it takes people three months to go from free to paid. And then we wouldn't yeah. know uh, yet. We might also just learn that the way the free funnel works right now is not very good because it's mm. it's basically new compared to what we had before. So sure. we just like there are just probably a lot of like stuff we're doing wrong or like stuff that could be better. Um, mm-hmm. At least like we're still getting trials. So like something is working. Yeah. And kind of regardless, like even I if mean, we how's were usage, at our own. Right? Sure. It has usage, yeah. Not as much as I would hope, but I think it's mm-hmm. slowly getting going. Um, mm-hmm. I think we still only have one free form that has more than 100 submissions. But then the exciting thing is when I look at that form, like almost like 10% of respondents ended up on our website after filling up out the form. There you um, go. I'm not saying that's like super high quality traffic necessarily. Um, but sure. it's still but- like people seeing our brand yeah which was what you hoped would happen right i guess the counter yeah. you could have like, you could have had what even they, if yeah even if we got yeah. the same amount of trials we got before they were still not enough like so no matter what like we really need to like increase the top of funnel to get the numbers mm-hmm. we need and i i don't think we're i don't think we're gonna see like poor results from freemium as we the longer we go like i think it can only go up like i think the people that signed up in April that are currently free users, like it's not like after month one, they're never going to upgrade. Like they're going to upgrade later on. And then it's going to look really good in, in June or something like that. Because June is like June sign up plus all the, like the ones from April and May starting to sign up as well. They talk about having a counter metric, which is the thing that you're looking at. You know, you were all excited about the, increase in top of funnel that freemium would ultimately create or free tier the i don't think the counter metric was free trials i think if anything it was probably revenue that you wanted to just make sure Mm -hmm. that you weren't going to completely cannibalize all your revenue and even if you i think you said you had a pretty high tolerance for that even if it did cannibalize some of it because it was the right long-term choice so at no point do i remember you saying oh but you know i really hope this doesn't kill trials i think if anything you're just you're reshaping and re-engineering yeah. your funnel. And yeah. if the if the revenue part is still there, if the retention is still there, and the top of funnel is there, sort of now you're playing in the middle and going like, okay, the retention is good. People are trying it. We need maybe top of top of funnel, which is like distribution, I would say. Like how do we get the free offering in front of more people? Because making yeah. something free, even if there's a free thing over there that's amazing and I don't know about it, that's still a problem. But... I think yeah, you've you've got it out there, and I think it's having the uh, seems like it's having the effect you want it to. It's just not a silver bullet. Yeah, and we're still gonna have to work to get good free Correct. usage. Yep, and uh, there's like it's still it has to ramp up as well. It's like kind of like a new product yep. in a sense. Yeah. So I'm not freaking out about it, but it does not feel good. I'm just gonna say like it's not it it does not feel good. And it's it's um 
yeah, I think it's important just to kind of like record that here in the podcast so that when we listen back, commemorated, eh, we're going to get reminded. Yep. Yeah. I am. Um, okay. I was talking to, so my main focus right now is marketing and I was talking to someone um, who I'm not going to name, but who's potentially going to kind of become uh, sort of an advisor to us, um, which mm-hmm. is uh, really exciting if that ends up happening. But um, he, I was kind of explaining to him how I find it really hard to kind of balance when to think more long-term um, versus short-term in marketing because it's like you could really put a lot of effort into like some long-term place for a total like reform. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like it just feels like there's so many low-hanging fruits that you should go and pick now. Um, but that you know are kind of like more of one-off things. And he he said that like in his uh, in his mind, you kind of had had to have two marketing threats in your head, um, and I've kind of adopted this mindset as well to the product a little bit. But it's kind of like you have one long term thing that you just keep investing in. And when he said that, mm. I thought of it kind of like as a retirement account. It's your mm. uh, where you put like money that. in every month, and you know it's going to grow and it's going to like be really good in the end. Yeah. And then you have more like more what I'm thinking of as more of like an opportunistic threat where <laughs> it's more like whatever you're feeling right now could be like a cool opportunity to try to like go after. Mm. That's where you do that. So it's more like day trading or something like that. Um, yeah. It's a very simple framework, like almost like stupidly simple, but it's mm-hmm. really like helped me think about marketing more strategically and like kind of better come up with a plan. So yeah, it's just really helped me kind of like think about what to do um, and kind of like how to structure my days. So um, I've kind of like mapped out more of a long-term marketing plan, but also like left a lot of room for the short-term stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the long-term play for us is going to be SEO and and short-term stuff is like, you know, all the stuff that you write down on your idea list that it's kind of like what makes it more exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm getting really excited about SEO. Um, funnily, like I was um, looking for good resources to learn more about it. And um, there is a book on Audible that kind of caught my attention called Product-Led SEO. And, mm. you know, being like kind of like a product-led company, it just felt like, sure. oh, that's that's interesting. Um, I, I've only listened to like the first chapter or so, but the crazy thing was that I started listening to it and then the guy the guy is like talking about um survey monkey and so this guy was in charge of SEO for kind of all of survey monkey and everything they did around SEO and how they built it into the product and as like their main strategy mm. and okay so like this guy who used to work at a survey company that's now like a huge public company wrote a book about how to do that. That mm-hmm. feels very uh, <laughs> like Relevant. something I should listen to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, let me go ahead and just uh, put in the ear, 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 ear headphones here and um, take notes for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, yeah, and we've also um, we've started ranking for the first uh, kind of keyword that we intentionally went after so i Mm. think in late january start february i started 
writing a few articles about like kind of targeting some keywords I found in Ahrefs. Ahrefs, mm-hmm. so hard to say. Ahrefs, whatever the SEO tool that's cool. And um, yeah, and we're like ranking number four on Google for one of them, which is like kind of like a, a template that we are ranking for, and it's starting to. Okay send us a little bit of traffic not very much but it's i think that's what everyone is saying about seo is like you gotta like go for some of those low-hanging fruits and then when you know that's working you can kind of like start ramping it up and it'll all just kind of like um multiply and um it's it's more exciting than i thought it would be i kind of just didn't expect it to work and now it's kind of working and i know that there's a long way to go but like we said, like we kind of like we looked at the great. at this tool and it was like, okay, this this could be like a thing to rank for, and we went after it and we're ranking for it now. So hmm. I'm I'm excited about SEO, I guess. Yeah, I want <laughs> to be excited so about SEO. Old school. <laughs> That's great. Oh no, I think it's I think it's very new again. Uh, it's done very differently uh, because Google has changed its game so much, but. I feel like SEO is kind of the, you know, out of the, all the traction channels, it's in uh, Gabriel Weinberg's book um, and his partner who wrote it with. But like out of all those, Justin Maris, I feel like that's the one that gets most of the conversation, at least in the circles I'm in, probably because in the indie circles, SEO is the most accessible, I think, because people think about content as something that, you know, you, yeah, you write it, you put it out there. It's easy to get started. It's relatively inexpensive to start. It's not like hiring a sales team, you know, or going to a conference, which has a big upfront cost and risk attached to it. So I feel like I hear about SEO a lot. I just, uh, and if you can make it work for you, everybody says, I wish I had started sooner is the main yeah. thing I hear. So uh, good on you for starting now and starting to see some fruit. That's great. Yeah, and then the way I, I kind of thought about it was like, even if we realize that, like, even if we run out of money to like work full time on reform or something like that, like, it's not going to hurt us that we've invested in SEO because it is kind of like this retirement planning. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it's going to pay dividends later, probably yeah, when we need that's it. That's really great. That's really good. Hmm. Yeah. Cool, man. I am. Um, I've also been thinking a lot about positioning. You've been talking a lot about positioning and then it's kind of like inspired me a bit. And then everyone's mm-hmm. been talking about positioning because April Dunfoot was at MicroConf. Right. And, um, yeah, she's kind of stirred it back up again. Yeah. And and you had this tweet about, um, from April basically, about how um, integrations was a way to position your product. So like, for example, you were saying with Summit, like, Summit integrating with GitHub is like sends probably like a surprising message. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, to a lot of people, but it's also going to like kind of maybe uh, plant a seed in their brain about kind of who's using a tool that connects to GitHub. Right. And, yeah. um, and then Bjorn, when we were talking about this, pointed out that templates in an app kind of does the same thing. So by creating different kinds of templates for your product, you're kind of signaling what's a good use case for it. Yes, and for sure. Yeah, that kind of, it really helped me kind of think about 
templates and how strategic they actually are for us and how we need to invest more into them. They mm -hmm. also like play a big role in SEO, of course. Yeah. Um, but also in positioning and like onboarding and helping people and activation, it's kind of key. Um, mm. So I've been thinking a lot about that. And then we had this idea and I think Bjorn, Bjorn built a prototype. I think there's a, a pull request somewhere that's, that needs more work, but is kind of, it is working, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you remember when we were doing branch, uh, which was this continuous integration uh, tool for WordPress that I was working on before uh, reform, we had the concept of hosts. So like a hosting provider. Mm -hmm. And when you configured those, we had these kind of wizards that you would go through with all the stuff you would uh, need to, that we would need to know to kind of connect to that host. Yeah. And we kind of thought about like, what if we had the same for templates and, and how much would that actually require? So we were thinking like, for example, let's say we have a, a template that's relating to ConvertKit, which is an integration that we're working on right now. And that I actually think is like a great way to position it positioning us in a certain niche mm -hmm. what if we instead of just having like acme corp as the company name in the template just asked you what your company name was or your project name what if we asked you for your convert kit api key and we just mm -hmm. created the mm -hmm. integration for you all this mm -hmm. stuff like what if we just asked you like three different <laughs> questions and then you had a yeah. working form that's that's like exactly what you would need if you were a certain type of creator on convert kit and you didn't even have to like go into the integrations tab and connect it. It would just instantly be working, have your branding company name ha and be convert uh, connected to your ConvertKit account. Mm -hmm. I think that would be really huge for activation. And I think it would also, it would be kind of like an insane way to show someone that we, we are the tool exactly for you. Like yeah, if great. you fit into this mold, we're <laughs> yep. perfect. Like we understood exactly what you needed. Like yeah. you read this, we, like for example, Brennan Dunn has an article about how he uses reform. If mm -hmm. we turned that into a template and connected it to a ConvertKit account, like we, it would, it would be a really great signal that this is like, yep. we got you, you know? So it's Such like a no mini products into the main product almost. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. That's really powerful. And if you, it was work they were going to do anyway, but you made it seamless. And yeah, but we also made it easier because it might be like an eight page long form and it might have like Acme on like three different pages. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so yeah, where, where does this, where does this fit into your kind of priorities going forward? I think I want to get the convert kit integration working first mm -hmm. and then i think this is like a, a really strong like a next up contender absolutely because i think i think it's gonna make people excited to use the integration mm -hmm. i know in from my experience working with branch this is something that the people you're integrating with love as well because you like kind of take care of their yeah. customers and you show that you're willing to do stuff inside of your product to kind of integrate with their product and take the time to understand how that process works and kind of like hand holding people. Mm -hmm. Um, it, 
it makes people really likely to want to work with you, basically. It's great. And it's just not something a lot of people take the time to do. Mm-hmm. And and the way we're thinking, like we we can like the stuff you would need to convert uh, for ConvertKit versus Drip, for example, is probably not the same. So make them different. <laughs> it's kind of like it was the yeah. same approach we have with with Branch. It's like one host is more strategic, so we have like a super nice, you know, easy onboarding flow. Another one is like less strategic, so we can't prioritize that as much. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they get like a less fancy version. Um, yeah, I'm really excited yeah. about that actually. As I, I am too. To it feels ease with onboarding and like positioning and everything. It just feels like a really a very addressable market, <laughs> a jam, a juicy addressable market where if you can establish yourself there, you could probably get, I mean, you could get a lot of the growth that you're looking for. And yeah, that could be a really strong foundation for you. Foothold, right? Yeah. And this this kind of idea of of having like different marketing tracks or threats is mm-hmm. is helping me see how it's, okay <laughs> to work on seo and convert integrations and all this stuff like at the same time and how it kind of ties together mm-hmm. um so awesome yeah that's some of the stuff i've been uh pondering yeah uh with all this like downtime i've had yeah well sounds like uh between customer between customers telling you that actually they upgraded after your uh issues and you having these mental sort of realizations just been all right and and you by the way you got rid of the most unreliable and frustrating part of your infrastructure i mean if you look at it a certain way peter you've had a really good couple of weeks <laughs> one of my investors uh <laughs> replied to my investor update yesterday and said um he he said something like i know you've had a rough time um i i don't think i actually talked about that in the, in the update mm. but he he knows um i know you've had a rough rough period um but reform seems unscathed. Um, mm. Yeah, good way to put it. And well, robust maybe. And uh, yeah, I think he's right. But I think a, a big part of the secret there is probably Bjorn. <laughs> mm. He's he's had a less he's, rough time than me. He's traveling. He's enjoying life. Teamwork, man. In 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 his twenties and. <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh, and he's looking at what you're doing and be like is that do i have to do that <laughs> he'll be like oh i'm tired today i'll be like oh really <laughs> you're tired <laughs> like i'm sorry yeah I'm sorry. i stayed up late last night we had some beers oh you're tired because of choices you made oh i see yeah and he's like, wait a minute, no, no, you're tired because of choices you made. <laughs> you're yeah. like, oh, okay, okay. How dare I get you? It, I get it. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Don't speak truth to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh that's great. Yeah. Cool, man. That's uh that's what's been going on in my world. We're trying a new thing here. Uh, we're talking about a company, and it's uh, our sponsor this month, Whimsical, which is a product that we like that you tweet about sometimes. You're a, a yeah. heavy user. Do you want to explain super quickly what Whimsical is, and then I'll explain kind of what this new format is yeah. that we're that we're trying. Sure. Yeah. Well, Whimsical for me is the place that I go to to do wireframes, really. And I know it's 
has a lot more uh, features and products within its its suite now. But I found it because I was looking for a wireframing tool, and it's the first wireframing tool that I found that caused me to stop drawing things out on paper. So wow. as crazy as it sounds, I really did not like any other tools in the market. They were either too detailed, too laborious and tedious, or they were too rough and kind of odd looking. And I just didn't like them. But like whimsical, I was just really happy with what I ended up with. I felt like the quality was good and it was just so fast. So that's what it is for me. But yeah, I think the first thing we we're able to dig out of the Wayback Machine after we realized that they used to be on a different domain than whimsical.com was from 2018, yeah. right? And I, I, what, I, I've been wanting to do this on the show for a while, but what I think is lost often is we look at companies as they are today, post $30 million raise, or even post just profitable traction, and you're like, wow. But at least the big question of how the heck did they get there? And so I love the Wayback Machine for helping us to do more of an apples to apples comparison, or at least sort of sapling to sapling comparison, where you're like, okay, it wasn't always this way. But when we went back in the Wayback Machine uh, for Whimsical, whimsical.co, even the earliest, so you found a, a early access sign up list, but as soon as you get past a that. Plain text. <laughs> uh, yeah, which was plain text, which I, we don't know if it was stripped out formatting or right. what, but we'll. We'll give them benefit of the doubt that it was probably a little bit more tasteful <laughs> uh, than that. But uh, you go back to, yeah, minimalistic. You go back to 2018, and I think the positioning is pretty much unchanged. Now, I will say it got broader, a little bit broader, but it was the visual workspace. Collaborate on your ideas visually, lightning fast. And then it had flowcharts, wireframes, and sticky notes coming soon. Sticky notes were coming soon. And then uh, testimonials from Twitter of what people are saying. And it said, I can't think, one of the testimonials says, I can't think of a better example of a SaaS MVP done right than whimsical powers, sign up and take notes. And I think you, you had the right takeaway, which was, they just kind of nailed it out of the gate, is what it looks like. This is not one of those, uh, oh, they launched and fell flat or struggled for a while. It looks like they just had the right value prop from day one, almost, maybe day two. Uh, but it was, certainly wasn't uh, much different which might explain how they got to where they are in three short years. From what I understand, like it sounds like they probably didn't hit a plateau. <laughs> like they just they, yeah. they they just got it right somehow. And then they, they of course, they iterated on that. And then I was just thinking all that if they were to hit a plateau, then COVID happened, right? And then everyone switched to remote work. And we've heard a lot of stories like this. But yeah, yeah. being like mm -hmm. basically a suite of tools for remote work mm -hmm. with like a, a viral component of like people sharing stuff within their organization and with other people outside of their organizations and stuff it's a recipe for insane growth one of the other things i noticed is if you look at the uh, testimonials on their site from back in 2018 they've got the design lead at shopify they've got someone from microsoft a senior designer at a company called step size and then design lead at envision so it would appear that one thing they did well was uh, starting with influencers or, you know, senior people in the industry to be early adopters of their product, which is also a smart move. Um, but even better, these people apparently loved it, so they obviously nailed it. And the, the fact that it was an MVP, as one of them, as one of the testimonials says, is um, just really impressive. So if, if think if I could go one level deeper, I would really want to know more about the design, um, kind of the product skills of the founders seems exceptional it made me look at linkedin and i can see that one of the founders was a vp of engineering at full contact before 
whimsical. Mm. So they they have one of those nail it out of the gate companies, which is great. <laughs> Listeners of this podcast will know that that doesn't always happen, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you're not onto something. They nailed it, and that means you get to skip a lot of that journey through the desert of trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Let's uh, let's flip the table. Not, let's not flip the table. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, let's talk about you. <laughs> let's talk about me. Cool. Um, Summit is at an interesting stage right now, and perhaps we could argue it's always interesting, but the interesting thing about it is I feel like we are both finishing a bunch of really important foundational work, <laughs> but I feel like we've been <laughs> I feel like we've been saying that for a long time, um, and so it, it part of my mind is like, okay, you know, go to general access, uh, update the marketing site sell more of what you got and all of that the other part of me realizes that we really have learned so much in the last month about our positioning that it's okay that um it's okay to take our time over the next month or so and capitalize on that as much as possible because part of me is just like Okay, you know, I want I want to shift into just sales and marketing mode now. You know, I I feel like I'm ready. <laughs> but but the product uh and the product's been worked on for, you know, years literally at this point. Um let's say April of 20 of last year is when we started working on it. So we're we're 12 months into building V3. Um we launched it in July and I feel like since July of last year we've figured out it's you know we found some happy users some happy customers we figured out some positioning we've evolved sort of how we think about the market and now we're ready to really ready to place our bets on go to market which includes the integrations as you hinted earlier etc i think it's just painful because it's this last it's kind of this last stretch of not being completely um out there yet with with what it is um and so it's actually it's funny it's a combination of like excitement it's, it's mostly excitement but it feels like anxiety and i guess it's, it's sort of like it's like a big holiday that's coming or a big event that's coming of any other kind and you're like i'm really really excited about it i know it's going to be really great i don't have any doubts about that but man i wish it was tomorrow <laughs> instead of instead of three weeks from now or four weeks from now um but has, we are the size we, we are the size we are. We can't, you know. We, I don't want to stress the team out, and pulling all nighters isn't going to make it better. So, you know, it is what it is. We we just have to get it across a line here. Feeling more strongly about the positioning has that. I mean, it's part of this that the positioning makes you want to kind of support that positioning more in the product by adding stuff to the product or changing stuff in the product or mm -hmm. like so, so the kind of like the positioning work is inspiring you to do even more yes. product work yeah that is actually it's it's it it's okay good news it's given us a lot more confidence about the things that were on the roadmap for the next four to six weeks bad news it's also made us realize that 
okay, now that we have clarity around when people are hiring us, what their struggle really is, we believe. And we have customers signing up actually right now who are, now we're asking them better questions and getting better insights into, that is what I'm doing. You know, I didn't I didn't think of it that way. But now, now there's a, I created over the weekend, I did a little bit of housekeeping on product management and I went through linear and I found, I mean, 12 to 12 to let's just say 12 plus or minus issues that all had this theme that I didn't really think of before as this theme but they all felt like yeah customers would like it if we did that customers like it if we did this I just I figured out the common thread that they all have and I'm like wait a minute I understand now why we had these 12 things in the backlog or on the to-do list let me go ahead and bundle these up now into a kind of ongoing project and I'm like this is this thread of work that yeah like you're saying it makes a lot more sense to me now that we would tackle those things because they are really going to support the positioning that we're going to have and they're going to support the users using it in the way we want them to like this is this is gold now I've sort of realized that these are actually very valuable little things to knock out and uh, I mean, I'll give you one silly example. The uh, the sticky notes feature, like letting a user just click a button and place a sticky note somewhere on their model. It was a it was a little bit of a thought before. It was like a little bit of a dream, maybe. And uh, not that I thought it was going to be a lot of work, but it was sort of like, oh, that's cute. That's cute. It'd be nice to have that one day. But then as we're talking to customers and we're looking at how they're using it, we're thinking through the positioning a lot more, we suddenly go, wait a minute, like if we added sticky notes and dashed arrows and the ability to like format your text, Summit suddenly becomes like a pretty capable whiteboarding tool without a lot of marginal effort, right? And we're sitting here talking about whiteboards that do math and that's something we've talked about for a long time and the more we talk to our users, the more we realize that they really are using it as a whiteboarding kind of space in many cases. And so I want to support that. I want to double down on that and, and give them more of what they expect, to use April Dunford's framework. When you have a positioning, what do people expect out of a tool? Well, of course I can put sticky notes on a whiteboard, and of course I can format the text, and probably I can upload images to it as well. Like, all these little things. And back to my earlier point, those are we've come this far so in one sense it's like just ship it right ship it ship it you know and and focus on marketing and and top of funnel like you are now but the other part of me is like it really isn't a lot more work to add sticky notes but the payoff like the the payoff of that from a user experience standpoint and a value standpoint is so great that um what Ryan and I discussed as a plan or as, as a rollout plan is we're not going to slow down releasing these features so that we can release them all at once. That's not, we're not, this is not a product launch where we release all these features at once. I think that's probably a big thing to, to distinguish. We're going to release them as we, we're going to release these improvements and these features as we build them. So we're not going to delay taking product to market. But what we're experiencing now is this, why would we want to, you know, use whatever marketing push sort of capital we have <laughs> to promote a product that has, that's missing some of those like real exciting 
little gems of features when we can ship them now and then wait until we have kind of that more that bucket more full filled out and then and then go make an impression because you can you can always launch multiple times and there's that part of it but there's also the point of if you're going to make it, try to make a splash and create an impression with people put your best foot forward at the same time and waiting a week is that really going to kill it's not going to kill anything it's not going to make a big difference in terms of there's no hard deadline um so I think in these cases, we're sitting here going, yeah, we'd rather probably just wait the extra week or two or three, not seven, <laughs> but but also it's um, it's worth it to just wait, you know, these extra, this extra cycle, let's call it that, to ship yeah. more of these things. And then when we go to market with this positioning, I think it'll really resonate with people. It'll really sing. You know, it'll be like once you kind of like have more of a vision for why these features fit in and you get more excited about them, like magically you just find time to get them out the door. And they that's also sort of just collecting (laughs) dust. Yeah. And actually what's good about the these little these little gems is they they work well in isolation for the most part, like they are not um, big bodies of work that have to be done layer upon layer. You know, a lot of the layers, the foundational work's already there. So they're the kind of things that should take, you know, one to two days, not one to two weeks. <laughs> and so uh, when we need a break, when any of us needs a break, either on the back end or the front end from the heavier lifting, the longer term work, we kind of just sneak them in. That's like, oh, look, at, we have this now. Meanwhile, the other part of that cadence is big features that are truly foundational. And so I, I don't think it's, hurting us i think it's more competing for that friday afternoon time where we might just sort of either mess around or experiment or whatever anyway it's just like well actually for the next few weeks instead of just totally experimenting we have some really good little things that we can do uh, and knock out and ship and um so it's not it's not bad it means that we're going to be able to invest our time um more more wisely that's sweet yeah, feels good. Um, that does feel good. And the big feature that's going live, I'm going to say, knock on wood this week, is model versioning. And I know you saw like a little screenshot uh, peek. You didn't see it interactive yet. But that's uh, very exciting because uh, the things we can do with it are actually beyond what we even considered in the first place. For example... Uh, we're going to have like on the sidebar, it'll pick, it'll pull up your sort of commit history for a model. And sure, if you step through a commit history in Git, you, you know, there's these steps you do and, and you can pull in an old version of the code and then you can rerun the products, I guess, and, and see the changes. This is a little bit different because what we can do is let the user rapidly click through these save points in their model history. And I think that's really valuable for a lot of, you know, sort of undo and versioning reasons and and exploration reasons. Like, hey, you got a save point here. Go ahead and explore, do a bunch of stuff, break it if you want to. That's okay. You can always revert back to the last committed version, just like in code, uh, source control. The other thing I realized today was if I'm building a model on and I'm streaming on YouTube or or, uh, Twitter, 
I can actually do a couple things. One is I can create a save point every time I get the model to a point where it's useful. Like, hey, look at this little model. It's useful. It's simple, but it's useful. Save. Let's go ahead and evolve it a little bit. Let's make it a little bit more complex. Let's add this to it. Save. And so I can create these kind of, you know, those drawing books, and we always joke about the owl. <laughs> it's the, it's the circles and then the perfectly drawn owl. With this, we can actually show more of those in between steps. Of this is how see this big amazing model that you know describes a SaaS business. Of course, you wish you had this. Right now, with the product, we have to basically show them that finished owl, which is like overwhelmingly complex, or we show them a couple circles. And it's, I have to basically record like a 20 minute video that they have to watch to see all the in-between steps. And then even then it's like, where really were those key frames in there? Was it like, was it here? Was it there? It's not clear. I can actually go through now and for any kind of business, I can build one of these sort of flip books <laughs> where it starts really simple and then each commit has a description and a title. And so I can describe in Summit, in a history of a model, and literally teach the person with each save point, like what got added, why it got added, what it does, and like literally bake in little lessons to each of these save points. And so each of these models with a history becomes essentially a guide. Like in a, it's, it's a whole one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guide to evolving, to starting simple and then evolving a model to becoming more and more complex. It's an extra dimension basically in the product. It's a whole other dimension in the product. And so that's one use case is like teaching how to build in Summit. The other one was, you know, it'd be really cool is if people, people can use this to have, let's say you have a, um, a Slack model. Well, what the heck does that mean? You have a model for Slack <laughs> And it starts out as their business. And then each save point shows you the evolution of a company. Like it's like acquired, yeah. but the modeling version of it where you could actually step through like WP engine over time and see like they started like this, they did this. Heck, go through yeah, the internet. You could kind of like do like a slideshow. You could do like a slideshow of a business model over time, which I think. Yeah, there's nothing else like that, really, especially not functional, where at each step of the way you can actually run the thing, you know, so I can see, yeah, you know, what really was cool. this business like? I mean, that could be used for case studies, for business school classes, for um, just for startup content creators to say, let's dissect a business. Let's start with it in 2011 or 2019 <laughs> and then kind of show the uh, evolution of the pricing, of the sales model, of the marketing, adding channels. Um, and the each so each save point becomes a key moment in that company's history. And because you can add text and images and charts, and all of that is saved as well, you can illustrate different points. I mean, this becomes sort of a PowerPoint kind of thing for business models where it's, you know, interactive business model history. I, I don't know. There's nothing, there's nothing else like that. And I think about, think about any other tool that nothing else really is, does this whatsoever. So, I, so with just one, and that's why I say foundational, with just one feature, model versioning, suddenly we have 20 potential ways that it can be used to create value for the user, whether it's undo, exploration, rollbacks. Yeah, it might not even forks. have to be like very <laughs> user facing. Like you can use it internally as well. Because you have those versions. That's right. Yeah. 
Exactly. And, and I mean, another one is operationally. So sorry, uh, yet another one. Let's say that you have a model uh, and you're using it to run your business. You don't have to copy a board anymore to have a January, February, March, April forecast. Just save the model, <laughs> commit it, right? When you commit it, the working copy is now the new one. And now you have your entire forecast history in a list of cards that you can just click through and see, you know, that the evolution of your forecast over time. So you can now just iterate on your own business in one kind of stack, right? Um, One spreadsheet with save points every time, one spreadsheet in that sense with save points for every month, you know? And so now you can go back and compare really easily to what was our forecast in January, February, March. Instead Instead of having 12 boards, you have one board with 12 save points. Um, and now that one model becomes something that you can share with investors, share with your team, share with new hires, whoever it is, and say, look, you want to see a history of our business? You want to see our business evolve? Here's a link. <laughs> you know, like, here was our forecast. Yeah. Here was our performance. Like, that's exciting to me. To me, that, You know, nothing else like that. When's that new uh, positioning getting going public? June. June. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. June. We were we were hoping for end of May, but then we had these discoveries and we said, screw it. What's special about the end of May versus middle of June? Like I said, let's just get it right. And so I think it's gonna be June. Um and then, you know, we haven't even talked about yet like what does model versioning set us up for? Well, if you can version and commit a model, then you can publish an API into it because it's stable. It's not it's no longer editable, right? So you can have a basically use a model as a Lambda function inside other apps, embeddable content, inside forms, drum roll. <laughs> so we may need to talk about partnership here. <laughs> um, I, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty tough. I got some good advisors. Well, you've got a lot of you have run, other priorities. I run all my important partnership emails by this Matt Wenson guy. It's <laughs> pretty, pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, we talked about embedding, uh, you know, these things in form. So I feel so good about the priorities we have and the work we're doing. And all I can say is I'm glad that our runway is good, you know, far beyond June, because it means that we can, a lot of times in these situations as a startup and we've all been there, you suddenly have these discoveries, but you're about to run out of money in two months, <laughs> you know? And so now you're really yeah. pressed against a wall where you're like, what should we be doing? Because that's a problem. That's an existential problem. I am so thankful to be in a situation where we know what to do. It's working. It's getting better every day. And we don't have an existential crisis around the corner. <laughs> you know, that to me is, um, I, don't know, I don't have to call it, man. It's, it's a blessing. It's, it's a benefit. It's, it's something I'm thankful for every week at this business to have such a great team and the time to ship what we think the market wants. That's, um, I'm so thankful, man, because I, I I think my last business, I was in these, we were in these positions a lot, but it seemed like it was always at the end of a funding round. Like it, it was at the end of using up what funding we had. <laughs> and then you, you realize, okay, I got to go pitch something. Do I pitch the thing that I've had? Do I pitch the new thing? You know, it's, it's a really difficult um, dance or limbo situation. And finally, finally, 
I feel like I'm in a situation where I don't have to go fundraise right away and we have this validation. So, um, let's go, let's go blow it up is that's, that's why I'm just like, let's just do it. And then, then we've got plenty of time afterwards to see how the market responds. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm, uh, not jealous, just excited for you. Thank you, man. I runway sounds nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we had to cut it the other way last year for that to work out. You know, I mean, uh, you and I both know how close know. it was for us. So, um, so close that I know you and Derek and our masterminds are like, okay, Matt, I mean, sure. It's your, it's your car. Drive it, drive it however you want. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but then it worked out and, and now we are reaping. Times, yeah, for sure. And now, Hey, I want to reap, I want to reap the rewards for my investors as well. You know, uh, they deserve. Yeah hopefully a really awesome um i don't want to call it payout because we're not talking about exiting but you know pay uh reward for the risk that we've taken up to now so yeah yeah for sure hey i want to give a shout out to one of our listeners um cool this guy sean cruz cruzel uh was dming us and he sent a loom and i just uh i didn't watched the loom the first time so this dm was just marked as red and then you know it's mm. a dm on twitter so you just kind of mm-hmm. forget about it um but I, I i came across it today and i watched the loom and uh shorn this guy he's basically uh runs some sort of uh tool that he's working on to uh tr- get all the transcripts basically <laughs> for all the out of beta episodes mm-hmm. and then he'd uh basically indexed them in this elastic search cluster so yeah he showed a bunch of things in there about like stuff we talked about in different episodes and like these word clouds about stuff we talked yeah. about and, and and i was like how I like want to explore that about branch and then i stopped talking about branch and started talking about reform and like you said ryan like 64 times or something like that and i said denmark like 100 times and (laughs) (laughs) apparently you love denmark more than i love ryan we'll figure that out (laughs) it's great or hate we don't know the context that's true (laughs) yeah uh yeah Yeah, i just thought that was good stuff saying that someone did that like yeah just to be nice yeah that was cool very cool. I, I want to explore it. Like I said, I have I didn't get my head into it. Uh, it was one of those things where it went by, and I was like, "Whoa!" It was almost it was overwhelmingly interesting. <laughs> so I just was like, "Yeah, mental bookmark. Come back to this. It's really cool." But then I did the yeah. same thing you did, which was like, "Oh, I actually yeah." Pinned the tweet, I think, but it didn't mean that I remembered about it. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, shout yeah. out, well deserved. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, we don't have any show notes sponsor this week. But uh, if someone is interested in becoming our show notes sponsor and get the shout out by the end here in a nice link in description in our show notes, get some Mm -hmm. links. Um, You should go to autobeta.fm and click the sponsor us link. and Sponsor uh, the show notes. Thank you to Whimsical for being our monthly sponsor. Thank you. Um, uh, Yeah, we, uh, we recorded something. Now it's not, not a surprise because we've already aired it, but uh, we uh, we recorded like more of an episode, and uh, that's going to be released together with this episode as well. It's kind of like a bonus, and it's just us talking about whimsical. It's not it's not a whimsical ad. It's just 
whatever we found interesting about them that we talk about for like 25 minutes. Yeah. And um if yeah. you if you if you ran their business through a, a new model versioning uh, tool, you would see that it doesn't seem like it's changed much in a good way. No. <laughs> since they started, it was just it's just gotten bigger. Yeah, yeah. This is growing. That's right. Awesome. Sweet. Well, it's good to catch up again. Yeah. Same. We'll, uh, hopefully, do it again next week. All righty. Sounds good. Take Thanks, care. everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye.